is uh, one of those tricky things. Sometimes we think we have it only to be found we don't. Sometimes we think we don't have it only to realize in hindsight maybe we did. Wisdom. It was wisdom that when Solomon was given a blank check from God, he asked him. I marvel at that encounter in Scripture. You can find it in the uh, Second Kings, where God basically said, "I'll give you whatever you ask. You want you want wealth, give it. You want longevity, give it." And here, this kid, in a lot of regards, asks for wisdom. Here, this guy that was close to being hunted down by a family member asks for wisdom. And I believe that is exactly what we need to be praying more and more about. Wisdom. The wisdom to see things as they really are, not as we are told they are or we think they are. Wisdom to see truth and not the half lies that will come our way. Wisdom. The wisdom to see what is the kingdom of God. How does the kingdom of God show up in our world? See, because we ask this question a lot of times in life. We ask, why don't you do something? And that's, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, you know, many of you mothers have, uh, you know, heard a similar question from your kids. In our house, it's typically Eliana, uh, you know, where she will say, hey, why don't you do this, get this for me? And, and a lot of times, she's very specific. It can be a meat roll-up tortilla sandwich with mayonnaise, mustard, ketchup, and a pickle. I want it on a plate with a napkin, and I want it brought to me. I mean, this, this girl knows what she wants. Wisdom. Kids ask the parents. Sometimes we as parents ask our kids, why aren't you doing something? And you probably never heard anything like that, right? Always oh, super cold, right? Okay, got it. Where'd Jordan go? She left me. Oh, she knew I was going to talk about it. All right. We, we, we say that when we say something and they go, why aren't you doing that? Do we not also ask this in our world of governments, leaders, someone else? Why aren't you doing something? And if you're bold enough to admit, and maybe you're not, but I will admit for us, we ask this question of God. Don't Why don't you do something, God? Don't you see what is going on? Why don't you do something about it? And this is where we need wisdom. Because see, we're going to talk about a parable this morning, Matthew 13, 24 through 29, and then Jesus kind of explains it, which is pretty nice when he tells us some, somewhat of the meaning afterwards. I mean, it makes our job a little easier. Where he tells that the parable of the kingdom of heaven. And let's just, just listen to it this morning. This is kind of my version. It's a rough translation. I will admit. 
The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who went to sow good seed in his field. And then, after the task had been done, while everyone was sleeping and waiting, an enemy, a rival farmer, came and sowed weeds among his weeds, and they just went away. No one saw where he came or went. Then the weeds sprouted up, and when the weeds sprouted, so did the weeds. The servants of the farmer come to him and said, Sir, we're, we're concerned. Uh, didn't you sow good seed? Maybe we just missed it. Maybe you put the wrong bag out. The farmer said, no, no, I, I have it. And they go, okay, you want us to uproot all the weeds. We'll just, we'll go by hand and take every one of that bad weed out. And to their surprise and shock, he said, no. Because, see, while you're pulling out the weed, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the proper time of the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, collect the weeds, tie them up, burn them. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Jesus does the explanation, then he ends with these words. Whoever has ears, let them hear. See, I, I believe that we need hearing aids this morning. And not just the ones, Paul, that you have, you know. Got them, you know. And, and if they're attuned right, he's actually hearing what I'm saying, you know. But hearing aids are a very tricky thing. I, from what Pastor Paul has told me and Gary and, and my own time with my uh, grandfather, you know, 20-some years ago, hearing aids weren't uh, what they are now. Uh, I remember one of my funniest memories of uh, Grandpa is uh, he, he said once uh, to me, uh, go get my glasses so I can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I don't know that these were kind of in the spot of mine, and he may not have gotten it, but I thought, you know what? The more I think about that, the more we need hearing aids, not just in our ears, but hearing aids to see well, I mean, hearing aids now, they can be great, but if they don't filter out the noise, you have a bunch of noise, and you just hear a lot more noise. Right, Pastor Paul? I know that's been a struggle. You know? We need hearing aids. And these aren't just physical hearing aids, because Jesus is saying, everyone heard his words. He's saying, though, whoever has an ear to hear what the kingdom is like, listen up. Listen up. Jesus would say at another time, he said, don't just be, uh, don't just listen to my words, but if you put them into practice, then you are truly hearing me. As he told a parable of wise and foolish builders. We need hearing aids. Because when we start to hear things as they really are, we will gain wisdom. The wisdom to be able to know what is going on? What is our next task? Motives are great, but motives aren't everything. And sometimes we can have right motives, pure motives, but do things poorly, actually making things worse. I think the parable brings some of that out this morning. We live in a world, though, that is increasingly loud and loud earth. 
where our news, whatever their side of news you read from or watch from, is just trying to be louder and louder. Our ears and our brains can only handle so much. I don't know if I'm really getting old. I think I am. I don't want to. But I, I've had to say many times now, stop. I, I, I can't take all the noise. You know, where I'm just, I'm overwhelmed by a lot of noise. Maybe because I, I, I make a living listening, and I'm used to listening to very small words that are kind of size, that when people are like normal or louder, my ears just, they hurt. And I, I wonder if part of what we need to do as God's people is to slow down and calm down and stop the noise so we can hear. So we can be like Solomon and have wisdom. Wisdom. So let me bring out nuggets. And, and those of you who are uh, present with us uh, here, you notice your, your handout's even different than before. And, and I'm going to challenge you in the weeks to come, you know, to kind of make your own notes, things to remember. What observations do you have that may have nothing connected with uh, the sermon per se? But an observation that came in, aha moments that came in. And then questions that you want to think about this week. And then I want to challenge all of us. And, and those of you online, I just kind of gave it what it looks like. And we'll post one online and you can have an idea. Where, where you ask yourself, what ways will I be different this week because of what I heard? Because of interacting with the Word of God, how will you be different? And the more specific you can be, the better off the more likely you'll go, I will be different with it. I want to challenge you. I'll always give some suggestions and ideas. But we need to hear the words of the Spirit as we interact with the Word of God. We've got to believe that the Spirit is going to take these words that are old and change you and change me if we're open to hear. So he who has to hear, let them hear. What the Spirit says this morning. I think the wisdom we see in this parable and of the kingdom of God is God has a plan. God has a plan. Throughout all of Scripture, he, and, 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 and as Jesus kind of talks about and explains it, he says uh, the, the good seed is the Son of Man. The, the God is, God the Father is the one who sent the Son of Man. Okay? And the field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. If you've responded to Jesus, you, you, we are the, king, the seed here. God has a plan. He has a plan to sow seeds. He has a plan to do something. So when we ask the question, God, why don't you do something? I believe his answer most of the time will be, I have. And I will. Do you have the wisdom to see it? God has a plan. We know this to be true. And in churches like ours, we highlight the, what we call the sovereignty of God. Meaning God is king. He has a plan. And he's always in control. He's never not in control. And there is hope and encouragement in that. But we also know this to be true from the parable. There's an enemy of God. And he also has a plan. You know, as Jesus interprets this, explains it for his disciples and you and me, 
He says this, the enemy, the weeds are the people of the evil one. The enemy who sows them is the devil. There is another person who has a plan. Now we can uh, go one or two ways with these two points alone. We can either highlight the sovereignty of God so much that we don't do anything. Or we can highlight the works of Satan that everything that ever goes wrong, oh, that must be the evil one. And I think we need the balance of the two. Okay? Uh, the fact that I got a splinter the other day isn't because the devil uh, kind of got a splinter in me. It's because I was picking out weeds that had thorns on them. Okay? Without gloves. That's my own thing. Okay? I also, if I believe so much in the sovereignty of God, then, then I would not have mowed my grass yesterday. And I realize that this is an extreme. But, there, but if you believe God has a plan so much, then it doesn't matter what I do. He'll just work it out. And then uh, my neighbors would look at me and go, he needs to get his lawnmower started again. You know? To mow that grass. There's a working of the two. But we need to understand that both have a plan. May I ask a third question? What is your plan about the kingdom? What is our plan? See, because the, the story falls within the sequence of other kingdom of heaven stories. Where it talks about you and I sowing seeds. Do you have a plan for that? Or you just hope it happens? Do you hope that God and his sovereignty will just do it using somebody, preferably somebody else, to do that? Are you sowing seeds? But we need to realize that as we sow seeds, there will be other seeds that are sown. So don't be surprised if things don't go well. It's not lowering our expectations. I think it's seeing things with the eyes of wisdom, with reality, that there is someone else. There is an enemy against us. But see, what I noticed at first with this is that uh, obviously because they were asleep, they didn't uh, see the enemy. Now there's nothing wrong with sleeping in this passage. Other parables, sleeping is seen as negative, not here. That's why we need wisdom again. But we also can see at the beginning that the kingdom looks pretty darn ordinary. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I know this much that there's a lot about timing. And Leland hopes he had the right timing this week as now his seed is uh, a little cold in the ground and swimming in the ground. So we'll see what comes up. Mark can appreciate Bonnie, you know that. And Andy, if you're watching us online, you know that to be true. But sometimes, at first glance, what looks like wheat are weeds. And what looks like weeds are wheat. It's not always clear cut. I mean, in our flower beds, which we are not very good at keeping up uh, and with it, you know, it's pretty easy to see the dandelions. And that's a pretty easy bee. But there's sometimes that we kind of let things go, but especially I'm like, is that a flower? No? Yes? No? Maybe? Uh, you know, sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes the kingdom of God looks very ordinary. See, we need to be reminded, we need to hear that sometimes within the kingdom of God, those who look like Christians aren't, 
And those who don't look like Christians are. Let me repeat that because it needs to sink in. Sometimes those who look like Christians may not be one, and those who don't are. Wisdom. Wisdom. So you say, well, what am I supposed to do about it? We need to have this mindset, a long-term view in mind. We can't just look at what we see right now. Because see, if we do that, then guess what? There are all times in our life where I don't look like a Christian and you don't look like a Christian. And there are times when you do. And if I look at just that right time or that wrong time, depending on which perspective you take, you may either get pulled or you will allow to be allowed to take root for root. And so this brings me to my next point. We need to be careful when we are quote unquote weeding. My concern is we are losing a generation of Christians. Those who have professed faith before, those who haven't had the time to profess, and those that might profess because we are trying to weed out things without taking a long-term view in mind, when here, in, in the parable, Jesus is saying, yes, there's going to come a time when the weeds get pulled, but if you pull the weeds too soon, you ruin the crop. Sometimes we need to stop weeding and just wait and see. See, there's a P word that comes with it. That uh, Leland, I love what you said the other day. The key word is patience. Leland has a lot of patience as long as he can get what he wants now. Right, Leland? Isn't that about what you said to me? And let's be honest, that's not just Leland. That's all of us. Some of us are a little bit better at things, a little bit better at waiting. Most of us are not. But see, because sometimes... We, we look at things and what we think may be a weed is actually a flower, but if we pluck it out, we've ruined it. Yes, there's a time for pruning, but sometimes we need to stop pruning and just let the world grow to know what is really good growth. I see this sometimes and where we are in this great moment of time in God's kingdom. And sometimes we are weeding, and I wonder if in our weeding we're losing the wheat. Not because we are wrong in our beliefs, but because we've not let the wheat take root. So you may be sitting there going, so what am I supposed to do? I'm going to try to explain it in just a minute or two time period, but I'll be honest, I don't know how to explain it. How's that for you this morning? There's something called presence. There's something about being uh, with somebody in the long haul. Taking what they give you and just letting it be. Not fixing them. Just letting them be. Letting and praying the Spirit over them time and time again. And you say, well, what does that look like? 
I don't know, just come to my office and sit with me for a couple hours over months, so I'll show you. You'll say, well, how did you do that? Well, you'll talk, I'll talk, and you'll experience it. I don't know how else to explain it other than that. Elise and I were talking about this. One of the great things about my wife is she's a fixer, aren't you? And she knows this. We have many a conversation. This isn't revelation. She's a fixer. Uh, I remember boldly uh, a couple of times going where I've never gone before, and I try not to go since, where I tell her, don't fix me. I'm not broken. <laughs> Reality is, I am broken. I do need fixing. I don't need her fixing. I need her love. I need her presence. And a lot of times, her fixing probably would have done more harm than good. Does that mean we just let people go off the deep end? No. Because she likes to tell me when I'm not, on, not even close to being where I need to be. And there's a portion of that. But uh, she had a powerful and such an one of probably the most encouraging things she's ever said to me recently. I now get what you've been saying for years. And because I have a hard time telling her what I do when I'll share stories of people that are transformed. And, and I talk, counselor talk, and Sue kind of, and Pastor Paul. This is why the three of us really get along well to some extent. You know, we know that sometimes it's not what you do, it's just the fact you're there. And major things happen, but it's not as easy as just saying, just be there. There, there is an art. You know, where sometimes when you allow the space to open up, I believe the Spirit of God comes in and says, good, now that you open the space, I want that. And the person allows that to happen, but if I would have said it, you would know what they would have done? Ran the other way. They would have closed off. And, and I think what we need to be reminded is, in God's plan of the kingdom of God, according to the parable of the weeks, is God is going to let the good wheat go with the bad wheat because he cares so much about the good wheat he doesn't want to harm it. And sometimes we need to just let time play out. I don't know where we saw this the other week, but another one of the great conversations we've had in my house is uh, when it comes to the idea of the fruit of the Spirit that's found in Galatians. You know, uh, where Paul gives this great idea, this is what it looks like to be uh, God's people. This is what it looks like to uh, live by the Spirit. The fruit, singular, of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Self-control. Unfortunately, I believe some, and this is where I think we've been trying to weed out. Sometimes, though, what we've done is we've taken the fruit of the Spirit to be self-control and say, I will also have other control. And we will try to tell others what they ought to be doing, how they ought to be doing, when they ought to be doing it. And saying to them, if you're not, one, if you're not like us, then you're not one of us. Where sometimes we need to just, we would be better off praying the Spirit upon somebody than trying to be the Spirit upon someone. Because we're losing a generation. We're losing a generation. If you don't believe me, I can show you that good report. Now, God's, God's kingdom is always going to have a witness. 
but I believe we need the wisdom to see where we have been weeding and unintentionally plucking out the wheat. When we need to hear the words of the farmer this morning, Sir, should we go and pull up the weeds? And he answers resoundingly, No, let it be. And I will pluck the weeds one day. But it's not all doom and gloom. The future is bright. He even says it, uh, you know, later that the, the wheat will be brought in. And as Jesus explains it, he says, the righteous, that's the wheat, the wheat. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of God. We are going to shine brighter than what we think. There's the hope. There's the hope that we have. There's the hope that we can understand that there is better days coming. That this isn't the end. Yes, there's going to be evil in the world. We want to weed out any kind of sin. That's our, that's our nature as people of God. We want to weed it all out. We want to take care of it. But sometimes we need to just have the hope that in the end, God, the righteous one, is going to do that. So it not has, does not have to be my job. I don't have to do that because I might pull something good up. And I don't have that perspective. It's very similar to what Christians during uh, Nazi Germany did. You had those that were uh, very much publicly and adamantly going against the regime, the Nazi regime. You had those that were very much in and outspoken, and that's necessary. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying pray for wisdom, because that's necessary. But for every one of them, you had two or three on the back end that were in the system, so to speak, doing their part to get people free. Why? Because they had started to hear the rumblings after years of doing it and wondering, is there any hope? They started to hear the rumblings that there's coming a day. There, there's coming a day when the Allies are going to break the front of Germany and all of this is going to be worth it. And so you had people and intelligence in Germany that played the part on one hand, but then did their part to take four or five Jews and others to freedom. You had those who were military soldiers that would try to play the part, but they would willingly and intentionally turn that eye when they saw the shadow in the corner. Until that day in June, known as Deep Day came, when their hope became silent. Also, in our own country, a little bit farther back, in the days uh, before the Civil War, I was showing Jeff uh, a picture I, I found here uh, the other day, where in front of our steps of the very first church here, probably uh, 1883, I think is the marking on the date, we have a, uh, a picture of um, the soldiers and their wives of Civil War vets. And there's a hundred or so of them uh, at that time. It was, uh, kind of, it was a really interesting picture. So uh, I took it down to Dale Thornton at a carpet store and he had never seen that before. And I thought, that's pretty cool, because Dale has about every picture you want. 
But, but what you had there, especially in our uh, northern frontiers, you had people along the Underground Railroad. They had heard the rumblings that one day it would be, but they wouldn't stop until they continued to help others. And you had figures like Harriet Tubman that uh, Alicia and Jonita watched the movie about, I popped bits and pieces, known as Moses. Where she would do what no one else, where sometimes she would take the willing and sometimes she took the unwilling to go. One of our great legacies as American Baptists is we were fundamental in abolishing slavery. And I believe we need to regain that roots because as our teenagers saw this last week, there is a bigger issue of modern day slavery than ever was historically in this country. And we gotta take it serious. And those are the ones that at times look like weeds because they're broken, they're battered, they're scarred. They've been thrown away, they've been treated as property. And what I think we need to hear from this parable from others is God has a plan for them. And if we let our scars show a little bit, they'll let their scars show a little bit. And the Spirit of God will do a life transformation and we'll sit back and go, wow. And the faith, the kingdom of God will be passed on for generation to generation. So I leave us with this point. The one who has ears to hear, let them hear this morning. What do you hear this morning? Are you listening this morning? Are you letting the great planter do his own weeding? Or do you believe you've got to be that worker? Maybe you need to hear the words, no. No. Stop it. And maybe we need to take stock. Maybe we, as conservative evangelical Christians, I am one of those, though I don't always like what gets labeled as that. We need to take stock and maybe just take a long-term view of mine and go, I'll just pray the Spirit. I'll just pray the Spirit. And then we'll sit and be present. I wish I could tell you and show you what I mean by that. But I've had an interaction just this week where someone that was in long-term physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, you name it, was there. And, and uh, they, they've been using pain management, a lot of it. And by opening up space where I'm present, and I, I don't think if I were to look back at what I did and try to remember, it was anything earth-shattering. Other than every time I interact, I, I go in first praying, okay, Lord, you're the wonderful counselor here. Show me the path, show me the way, and let me just be present. I've done some things. As we were getting a report of checking in, their use of pain management dropped down by like 66%. What they were using in one month and now to last three months. Hello? Now, I, do I do anything with physical pain? Not typically. Okay? I wasn't working on that, but when the Spirit shows up, things happen. I didn't have to go, maybe I ought to cut back on that. I let the Spirit do it. I let the Spirit do it. But it comes from an understanding that there is someone with a greater plan. 
comes from an understanding that I'm going to see awful, evil things and I don't have to fix it. My job sometimes is just to be there. And sometimes I just point out what I see. And sometimes I say, hey, have you seen this? That's my own little star there too. I don't know what God will do for you, but here's what God will do. Sounds simplistic, maybe. Maybe it sounds too complex. I don't know. But I know this. When I let the Spirit have control, I'm never disappointed. I'm never disappointed. Father God, we thank you for this time. Lord, as we give you control, we ask that you would just uh, give us wisdom. Wisdom to know exactly what to do and what not to do and the difference between the two. Wisdom to know that, that sometimes our good intentions of pulling a weed uproots the flower. And so, Lord, give us patience to let you do the work that you can do as the perfect one. Lord, for those who are hurting this day, may they see your mercy. And you're going to let them grow. You have planted them. That they can come into your kingdom and shine bright. That their future is better than their today, which is better than tomorrow when they're found in you. And so, Lord, may that be true of us this day in a large church. And if someone needs to respond, may they do so as you are prompting them. Not as I think they ought to do or their neighbor ought to think they ought to do, but as you think they should. For your ways are the only ways that really matter. Your thoughts are what matter to us, Lord. So give us hearing aids this night so we can hear your voice in the midst of all. Lord, we thank you and we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.